What she got? Um, I didn't like look into it too much, but she's got a couple of things. For everybody just tuning in, we're talking about the how the Ninja Turtles added a uh, female turtle to the cast to the lineup. This is in the comic. Yes. So that's interesting. It only took them what forty years. <laughs> Something like that. And a dying franchise to, uh, to try some new things? Yes and no. That may, may not be as popular. I think it's kind of hard to be as popular as it was because it was like everything and everywhere. Well, I don't know, man. You could have fooled me with these 90s franchises. Yeah, this is true. <sighs> All right. So ready, bud? Just about. Uh, man, you, you, you've, taken, you've seen this agenda, right? Yeah, I've seen this agenda. That's why I got a, that's why I got a large iced coffee. Yeah, we're going to be here for a minute. <laughs> All right, Gabe, you ready? Oh, yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 125. One, two, and five. Yeah, we are a uh, one quarter of the way to 200. No, that's low. That's that's totally wrong. That's way wrong. We're technically it would be a like quarter of the way to 200. That's not wrong because we're 25 episodes in and we need 75 more. But I'm saying from 100 from zero to 200, we're like maybe like 60 percent or something like that. We're a quarter of the way to 500. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, actually, yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. you can tell, we're not uh, we're not math kids yeah. on this podcast. Uh, hey, I deliver boxes, all right? Um, so there's that. All right. So, yeah, we're back on a cold, not not cold, colder, damp. It it looks like fall, but it feels like summer. Yeah, it's a damp, dark day on the south side of Chicago, which is a change of pace from the 100-degree days that we've had, like, consecutively for the last three days. Yeah. It's been really fucking hot. Speaking of which, dude, like... I'm good. I'm good. You all right? Yeah. You're all right? I'm making faces out of here. <laughs> okay. Um, what was I at? Oh, so last night around 8 o'clock after I showered, my uh, combat decided my powder was going to go out. So my power went out for two hours. Ta-da. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck that. We're packing up the baby. We're going to my mom's because I'm not about to sit here and bake. And, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, they turned it back on. So I can't really cuss them out too bad. But that's the second time I did that yesterday. I did it twice. I did it yeah. once like in the afternoon for like 15 seconds and it turned back on. Coming out here wilding, huh? Yeah, so they did something. They were doing something wrong, bastards, and they knew it. But we're not going to get into that. Apparently 400 homes in the area went down because of that. Hmm. So yeah, we're not going to get into it though. So we have a note. I don't know if you saw this note. I saw it just now. So the note is Blueberry McGriddle. So they have a Blueberry McGriddle coming out. How do you feel about it? Uh, so it's, I'm assuming it's Blueberry, the, the bread, right? The yeah. English muffin that they use? Yes. I think the, it'll work. It's like a pancake. Because the McGriddle is like an amalgamation of all great things that are breakfast. Let's be real. Well, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah Just core. because you got all the best pieces out of different jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> Check that review out. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I like the blueberry aspect to it. Um, I don't know if it'll work in execution because what is it? It's sausage and sausage, egg and cheese or bacon, egg and cheese. In some parts of the country, they throw chicken in there. So it's like a chicken and waffles kind mm, of experience. Can we get some chorizo in there? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> now you're asking too much. I, don't I had yeah. today was my fifth burrito this week. So I'm oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't even trust most Mexican places with chorizo. I'm definitely not trusting oh, McDonald's yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that was my note. So, as mentioned on the pre roll, we got this fat ass agenda. You may have seen me. Uh, failed to tweet it out twice uh, this week because uh, grammar. See, like the thing is, like I type it out in my head, but I'm speaking it as I'm typing it out, and I'm skipping things because I said it out loud. You know what I'm saying? 
So um, yeah. Anyway, so we had a, a, like what like twelve things on the movie docket. It looks like twelve things. Yeah, I'm about to count these. So yeah, uh, we're gonna go ahead and get started. Let's uh, start plugging and chugging. So uh, yeah, the Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie from DC, had a pre-screen testing, and so the article stated. Did you read the article? By any I did. Yes. So the fans loved it. The yes. test audience loved it. However, the executives and the you know the Warner Bro high ups essentially said, "Take it back to the fucking kitchen." <laughs> Yeah, fix it because apparently it's broken. I don't understand because um, we're at this kind of state in DC where they're cranking out just crap. Even some of these later animated movies, you know, I've always said the DC animated movies are the only like um, saving like, grace, saving grace of DC at the moment. But now those are starting to lose a bit of touch too, man. They're slipping. They're slipping. They're slipping just a little bit. But uh, we're, we're, you know, like why does it matter if your fucking executives hate it? It's, and it's funny because. The executives literally will not pay to see this movie once. They will never pay to see it, ever, because they're going to get the free screenings all they want, right? Yeah, dude, I don't understand it. Um, and, you know, the pre-screening test, I think, for them is super vital because, you know, like I said, they're in this kind of critical state at the moment. But it's just like, well, if your audience fucking loved it and it was, like, well-praised, why would you send it back? It doesn't what, make any what sense. What more do they want to add or what do they want to remove? Yeah, the philosophy behind that is ridiculous because, like I said, the 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 executives at Warner Brothers are not going to be the ones paying to see this movie at the box office. That's not their deal. So whether they like it or not is irrelevant. What should matter is what your fans like, especially with a group of movies that have been kind of getting, you know, uh, what's the word? The short end of the stick. Yeah. Critically kind of slapped around a little bit. I think you should be kind of stoked if the fans at the very least like it, you know, cause you know, um, the critics are going to, the critics are going to like what the critics are going to like, you know, you can't force them to like your movie, but at the very least, the fans will step up to bat for it. If it, if they enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's even more important because they're, again, they're the ones physically paying to go see the movie and they're the ones that are going to be generating your box office revenue. Absolutely. So, so whether the, the, the executives like it or not, it's completely fucking irrelevant. And you know, all they should really care about is one thing is that if it makes money and they should kind of stay in their lane, that's how I feel about this. Yeah, It's a bit ridiculous. And uh, simply because of the fact that, it was well fucking received, which we were both shocked to read. Yeah. Is the fact that like, well, fuck, there was a great opportunity for DC to make a comeback film, especially with a, I don't want to call her quite a side character, but not one of the main line mm-hmm. heroes, um, you know, with Harley Quinn. Yeah. And it's such a good opportunity to kind of be like, hey, we don't completely suck ass at this. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just I, when I, I when you sent me the article, I was originally thinking, well, maybe the execs like it and the fans didn't like in my head. That's why I thought. But it was the other way around. And I'm like, well, who fucking cares? Like, I said it out loud to Adrian. I'm like, who the fuck cares? She's like, what are you talking about? I explained it to her. She's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, uh, Warner, keep your fucking hands off this shit. Let the guys do what they want to do. Obviously, they seem to, the, the, the makers of the property seem to enjoy what they're doing. I'm, and, I'm sure you have to in some capacity to even yeah. be on the project, right? Yeah, and the fans seem to like it. So, who the fuck cares what you want? You're irrelevant. The fans are what matter here. So, Maybe y'all should take a fucking yeah, man. Maybe they're just trying to sneak in some more merchandising opportunities. Yeah, taking a take a lap. Fuck or that. Yes. Shit. All right, so we got some Bond news uh, as we're kind of ramping up towards the release of Bond Twenty Five. Talk to me about this new OO. So Double-O. our um, so obviously you know Daniel Craig is still going to be James Bond. He's still going to be Double O Seven in this movie. But apparently, what the rumor is is that they're going to be handing off the reins to the Double O Seven title to a person, another person. I'm going to go ahead and pull this information up so I can get the name right. Um, but it is something that I think is going to cause a great amount of controversy in uh, the coming months. So this is the fan theory coming to life. Am I understanding this correctly? Where yeah. 007 is a title and not 
a person. Well, yeah, 007 is the title, not so much James Bond, because that was kind of the fan theory is that James Bond was a different person every single time. But this is a uh, her is a black woman. Her name is Lashana Lynch, and apparently she's going to be taking on the, the 007 title after Daniel Craig's Bond uh, moves forward. So, with I think it's interesting. Uh, but with that, I think uh, this will be the cap off of this set of 007 movies. I don't see her being like the new 007. You know, you mean that they're not going to make any more Bond films for for this set. The, okay, the Daniel so, Craig set is over. So the new title you're saying isn't going to be a James Bond movie. It's going to be 007 subtitle. No, I'm thinking that they'll find a new James Bond and then we'll totally forget about this chick. No, oh, you think they're going to pull a, one of those on us? Yeah, I don't think that they're going to give her the franchise. I think this is something that's going to just going to cap off. Kind of like a spiritual nod. Yeah. It says, hey, I'm Daniel Craig and I'm fucking done with yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. That, it's more of that, I think. Um, you, do, do you have any idea how hard it was for me to resist saying I'm Daniel Craig and this is Jackass? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, first and foremost, I think I've been saying that 007 should be that thing, that title that's passed on. Um, since I don't know our since Skyfall, yep. Uh, since we kind of had our deep dive on the Bond films a year or two ago, Spectre. Spectre is when we took the the huge the huge the, the like huge kinda, deep dive on yeah. right. But um, I, I love the idea. Uh, that being said, we'll see what they do, man. Um, I don't think it's totally out of the ballpark to hand the reins over to a woman. Um, I don't really care that it's a woman. I think as long as she's a good actress and she fulfills the role, I don't think. You could have put a bear in that spot, and as long as the bear fulfilled the duties of, uh, you know, your 007, I don't think it would have been upset. Yeah, um, so it's just, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't see this being like a new full-time replacement. This is just something to cap off Daniel Craig's bond. So when they move over to the next guy, it's like a new a new thing, a new gotcha. set. Gotcha. Uh, we got some more spy talk in a bit. I'll, I'll double back to the bond talk. But what's double, the next Double topic? O back. I'll double O back. To the Bond talk. Uh, talk to me about Crimes of Grindelwald. So we're grossly late on a lot of these things. And yeah. It's unfortunate because this belongs to an IP that we both kind of cherish. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, quite a fucking bit. Yeah. You want to know how much goddamn Hogwarts merch I have at the house? Probably too much. Probably a shit ton, yeah. Um, so you watched Crimes of Grindelwald. I did. What'd you think? Have you seen this? No, I have not. Okay, so... Um so you've seen the movie before, Fantastic Beasts and yes. Where to Find Them, okay? I was not crazy about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I thought it was interesting enough. I thought it, you know, it kind of expanded on the the universe and not so much like the Harry Potter ishness of it all, but the Wizarding World as a whole because there's definitely a, a sect of both. Right? There's like what a seventy year gap or something. Yeah, yeah probably more at this point. But um, so uh, I I liked the first movie. My sisters really loved it, so I just kind of liked the, the counterbalance on that. But I enjoyed it. Uh, but I didn't enjoy it enough to immediately want to see Crimes of Grindelwald in the theaters. Like it was, as, as you may tell by this review, yeah, in that's why yeah, you know, what it is. So um, it was on. It's on on demand on a, uh, you know Comcast or whatever. So Adrian's like, well, "Fuck it, let's do it." So I'm like, all right, cool. We sat down. Uh, noticed the Rotten Tomatoes mark and it is a little low, and I'm like, "Well, you never know, you know." So whatever, we dug can't, into can't it. Can't trust those websites no more. Yeah, not really. Especially with like the sabotaging of the industry and all that, people just tanking reviews just to and with the them. with the whole Gotti situation where those reviews were just over the top and the movie ended up sucking balls. Yeah, so uh, we 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 watched it and I like some of the tie-ins to the Harry Potter universe. What you know eventually becomes Harry Potter's world. Um, I think they pick some good people to play the younger versions of famous wizards from the universe. Um, I don't like Johnny Depp in this role as Grindelwald. I don't. What's He's, your issue with him? He is not at all intimidating. He is not at all uh, menacing. 
Uh, there's nothing about him, or maybe it's his design, because the, the whole albino thing kind of is off-putting to me. Um, but there's nothing intimidating about him at all. So I don't. I'm having a hard time believing him as a dark wizard. How does that compare to the end of uh, Fantastic Beasts? Because when we saw that film, I told you this is arguably one of the most powerful wizards we've ever seen on screen because yeah. he's deflecting all these shots with uh, with his bare hands, right? Yeah. Um, and I kind of I kind of liked his design in that film. How does that compare between the two? Um, Do they go in and completely redesign him? Do no, they? I mean I wouldn't say completely. He was again the whole Johnny Depp thing was kind of off putting to me, but um, I, I I think it was kind of in the same vein as far as like his physical design. Uh, he does do some really awesome things as far as like the magic and kind of showing his power, but it's not really believable. I don't believe it. Like if I, and I, I didn't really like the, the, the design of Voldemort. We talked about this in the past. I didn't really like the design of it, but I couldn't believe that he would do the things that he would do. Yeah. That extra was phenomenal. Yeah. I don't believe that Johnny Depp could do the things that he does. Uh, his character. All right. But with that being said, Jude Law Dumbledore is fucking awesome. All right. Uh, he's not in the film as much as I would like. Um, but if, you know, it does a pretty good job of starting to set the stage for bigger things. But with that, um, this movie gets left off on a cliffhanger. So we're going to get a sequel or another spinoff. Yeah. There's going to be a sequel too. So just when it starts to get interesting, cause there's a lot of backstory shit that I don't care about is from the kid from the previous movie. And none of it really mattered. Um, like in the long run, cause it was all about Dumbledore and this guy, which should have been the focus of the whole entire film. Um, hint, hint, probably next one. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. As it started to get interesting, it's like, see you next time. I'm uh-huh. like, ah, oh, you fuck, credits roll. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Good old Warner Brothers. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I told Adrian, I'm like, that kind of sucked. She's like, yeah, it did. Cause it was really boring. There was nothing really interesting about it. And like I said, and as it started to ramp up, see you next time. Well, um, okay. First and foremost, some of my favorite, uh, like lore of Harry Potter is revolving around Grindelwald and Dumbledore and their relationship and yeah. their whole kind of premise there. Um, that being said, um, maybe don't discount this movie and wait till the next one comes out. Cause I know there was a lot of issues with when Deathly Hallows part one came out and I, I had my, you know, comments and concerns about it too, but the one two rolled around, uh, it kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking here? It kind of brought together, brought completed, together. It. completed it. There yeah. we go. Right. Cause it was a two, two part movie. Yeah. Maybe this will be the same setup. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely what it felt like. Um, but there was moments of the first part of Deathly Hallows that we all enjoyed. All right. I think everybody, even like the fight scene in the cafe and them kind of being chasing around and, you know, all that type of stuff. Sure. But like when I tell people that Deathly Hallows part one is in my top three movie wise, they look at me like I'm a fucking madman or something. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's just a matter of, uh, how does this relate? Cause that's mine and Maddie's thing when we talk about the alien films, cause, uh, the prequels that they're going through right now, it's like, well, did you enjoy it? And we're like, yeah, I think so. And we're like not really sure. And then we both kind of agree that like, well, we need to see what comes next because this movie is clearly set up for the next one. And if the if the cap off pays off, then this setup movie therefore also pays off in that same sense, right? Yeah, I I see that. Uh, I just don't. I'm not really big on the the leading man, Newt Newt, whatever the fuck his name Newt is, Commander. Yeah, I don't really like him. I never. I, it's it, okay. In the first one, I didn't really like him. Um, he was kind of a like an introvert and that. I wouldn't say he's not likable, but he's not naturally charismatic, he, though. Yeah, I think that's the kind of point of his character. And yeah, get that across because you you look at like Ronald Weasley and Potter, and and they're super charismatic yeah. in one sense or another, and you kind of learn to 
love them and you kind of grow up with them, blah, blah, blah. And that yeah. was the magic of the OG Potter films. Yeah. And so maybe they're taking a different approach on this. Yeah. Um, like you said, that is kind of the point. He relates more to the beast that he deals with than the people around him. I get that. But uh, what's so fucking metal? Yeah. But with that, though, like even some of the, the beast that we see. Like, uh, which I, I would feel is some of the highlights of the previous film because we get to see all these different magical creatures. Even that was kind of diminished as a part in the in the film. So, overall, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't like God got awful, but at the end, I'm, I did not feel satisfied at all. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, like in a movie, and especially um, in this kind of state of Harry Potter, where we're starting to beat the horse, and Hot Topic is cranking out more Hogwarts merch left and right every yeah. week. It seems so. Um, what is your final rating? We're doing. A to F scale for this. F is absolutely hate it. Never watch it again. Probably D. do a full out. D. 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 Okay. Uh, that's fair. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, I don't know. We might have different opinions. Something tells me we won't, though. Yeah. Um, good, though. I'm, I'm glad we finally got around to it. At least yeah. one of us did. One of us. Yeah. One and of us did. Um, like I said, man, maybe the third movie will pay off. You never know. Because yeah. a lot of times we see that happen in film. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm enjoying this like November slate release for Potter, though. I will say that. Yeah, it's nice. It, it, it is nice. It gives it that wizarding feel. Like I'd imagine Hogwarts is cold as shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, maybe it's something that we can revisit once it's the new one comes out or yeah, whatever. Absolutely. I'll uh, maybe I'll check that out and then we can compare and contrast notes. Yeah. Talk so we, to me about uh, the post. So I saw this movie too. This is something that we saw last week. Um, this is in the movie with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep about. Um, the, was, that was called the Vietnam Papers. Mm-hmm. All right? Essentially what this is was a study done on Vietnam and how kind of America was involved the whole time when they were lying to the American public. It's a true story. All right, This actually happened. The Post is the Washington Post, and this is kind of the story on how the Washington Post was stopped kind of being the little brother and became the big brother of these things. Quick question for you before you continue. How old is this movie? Is this recent or is this a couple years old? A year and a half. year and a half old? Okay. Yeah. Uh, two years at this point. Because Tom Hanks is kind of a big name, and I don't ever recall seeing anything about this. Meryl Streep's a big fucking name, too. Yeah, Meryl Streep's massive. I love... Yeah. Listen, bro, don't tell me about ABBA, because I got all that shit saved. <laughs> You're right. So, um, this was a really good fucking movie, okay? It kind of explains the uh, the time. It lets you know what's going on. Nixon was a fucking psychopath. I think we all kind of know that. Um, and kind of explaining her role, because she kind of inherited this from her father, or technically from her husband, who passed away, killed himself. And she kind of inherited this role that she wasn't particularly comfortable with. But by the end of the film, she grew into kind of this uh, game changing um, owner of this now up and coming newspaper. Right. And now, the, like I said, the Washington Post is a big fucking deal now. And uh, Tom Hanks's character, who's kind of like the, the you know the editor in chief and kind of how they're walking that fine line between treason and being News. doing their doing their job and informing the American people about you know what's going on and obviously like i said nixon was out of his mind and how the white house kind of fired back and saying well this is confidential confidential information meanwhile they're like well the american people need to know so it's kind of the fight for the first amendment right and uh the whole film was absolutely fantastic i loved it i loved it to pieces i thought it was really good i really really enjoyed it i like kind of those um uh, war movies that aren't war movies yeah kind of not, not so much setting up the the war itself but setting the world around it because the world around it is equally as important as what's going on on the battlefield so historical dramas framed around key events yeah i enjoy that type of stuff and i like bridge of spies too whose tom hanks was in as well uh same kind of era same kind of stuff it was really good and uh if you like that kind of stuff kind of the more slow moving but like you said kind of methodical explaining to you what's going on such type of movies this is a good movie for you i would definitely recommend it it is definitely an a on jacob's list and uh definitely check it out 
Good copy. That movie was called The Post. Yep. So um, I saw a trailer for something called The King's Man. And so originally watching this, I was like, this is a blatant ripoff of Kingsman, mm-hmm. right? And then at the very end of the trailer, they go to the Kingsman tailor shop. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so I did a little, big, a little bit of digging, and here's what we're getting, right? This is a prequel set in the World War II era, and it establishes how the Kingsmen were established to guard uh, England, the world, that whole ordeal. Like how the, essentially they're... Secret, secret service, you know, because yeah. you can't say secret service because that's government involved. Yeah. Right. So it, it establishes how the Kingsman was set up, which I think is really good because initially I was like, oh, this is a new Kingsman movie and Taron Eggert's not it. And I'm kind of upset because he's a fucking great actor. Right. Yeah. This is a prequel and it has a much more serious, darker tone, which I think will do well for this movie and the uh, kind of setting that it's in. And that being said, we're actually getting two more from that franchise. So we're going to get a lot of world building. So we're getting a Kingsman three which is the mainline film, and then we're getting something called Statesman. So I know you haven't seen the Kingsman movies, but in Kingsman 2, they come to the U.S., they come to Kentucky, and Channing Tatum is part of the U.S. version of the Kingsman called the Statesman. So we're getting a Channing Tatum <laughs> spinoff of the British Secret okay. Service Force. And so we're getting a lot of this kind of world-building stuff. And I think I think this franchise will do good in it because there's a lot of charm. As a whole, because I know you said the new one's kind of taking the darker approach, as Kingman, Kingsman a overly serious film or is it something that's kind of more like lighthearted and fun let me toss this out because you still have my copy of kingsman around yes i do yeah um so the og kingsman was a satire on everything british spy film so it made fun of james bond it made fun of austin powers any like stereotype or trope or cliche you could imagine it rips into those and it makes fun of it while in itself being uh having a valid plot, having likable characters, and having good action scenes. So it was a kind of self-realizing parody that was, in essence, still a good spy movie, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. So it's kind of like, it's like, hey, you know, you have that buddy that's like, yeah, we're all fucking stupid here, you know? And he's the one, he knows he's part of the group, but he's still making fun of the group. Yeah. And that's what the OG Kingsman was. And that's like what, that. that's kind of the charm behind it because it's like, dude, James Bond is so fucking stupid, but it's like, we're going to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was the kind of okay. love behind it. And um, and so that's kind of the tone the main lines take, that there's a good plot, there's a good villain, there's usually tightly knit characters, things of that nature, but the mainline movies have a lot of good jokes. They have a lot of good setup. There's good action scenes, things of that nature. So it's... I'd say it like a like a Bond light, and I don't mean to discredit Kingsman, but it's somewhere in between Bond and Powers. Okay, it's it's like in that fine in between middle where you could be like, wow, holy shit, that was a phenomenal sequence, mm-hmm. and then be laughing your ass off like you know a couple minutes later. Okay, and that's the mainline films. Okay, and like I said, this this Kingsman, the OG, is taking this much darker tone and approach, and I think it'll serve it well. Okay, cool. World War Two is an interesting time to put that in. Obviously, I, I think it makes sense. Um, Simply because it's World War II set up, and I don't know, it makes sense to me, right? Yeah. If you think about it. If, if What if it's just that scene from the bar in, uh, what's it called, in Glorious Bastards? You yeah, know? maybe, right? Well, yeah. that's in Germany. I believe they're still in uh, London. Oh, okay. In, in this setting. Fair enough, but yeah, fair get around to Kingsman, because I know you'll fucking enjoy that film, man. Yeah, I, I like I said, I went into that when it came out in theaters 2015, completely blind, and I came out loving it. Oh, the last stock's still losing. Never mind. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm interested. So this is you, too. All right. So we got... Um, let, let, let me let me look at these notes. I don't want to mispronounce his name, even though I've seen a bunch of his movies. Um, so Taika Waititi is directing Sorry, yeah. Thor four. Yes. Have you seen the like the the subtitle name for Thor four? Yes. Love and Thunder. Tell me that's not fucking awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So he directed Thor Ragnarok as well, and that's uh, hands down best Thor movie in the lineup. Yep. 
Um, and he directed another movie I also like called What We Do in the Shadows. So it's about these um, vampires in New Zealand. And it's kind of like a spin on interview with the vampire because it's like a film crew following them and yeah. they're like shenanigans and stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. That's yeah. fucking hilarious if you haven't seen it. Okay. Check that out. Okay. But uh, I love this director and I think the way he's taking Thor and that kind of aspect of MCU and now we're getting kind of this uh, Guardians of the Galaxy involvement in it like that the aspect where there's a serious story but there's a lot of fucking lighthearted shit right in the middle. I love that approach. I feel like we need more of those Marvel films. Okay. So you know that Comic Con is happening right now, right? Yes, sir. You, they so got a uh, they got a Krusty Krab booth set up. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, like a I did not. like a big Krusty Krab setup. I, I did not see that. All right, so with that, um, it's kind of I'm gonna tail wrap this all into one big heavy piece because with did, a big Phase Four reveal. Yeah, so Phase Four has been revealed. I'm gonna go ahead and get that pulled up for us real quick. I did save it somewhere, I think. So there's a uh, Doctor Strange movie that's taking a thriller slash horror approach, yes. which I think is good. We got a lot of. A lot of his villains are in that supernatural vein of things. Yeah. I think that'll serve well. What else we got on Okay, right, so phase four? we'll do this in order. Okay, so Black Widow's coming out next. We knew that. Cool. Right? Uh, now, with Phase 4 comes a lot of the Disney Plus series. All right? A lot of these are involved in that. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that's going to be a Disney Plus series. Is that a like a episodic series? Yes. Cool. Um, the Eternals, which has Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. Sold. Yeah, so me and my wife were talking about it. I'm like, so they're like, how much did the last movie make? Okay, sign me up for the next one, which is basically what's happening here. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So we're finally getting maybe a real-life Mandarin for the first time. So that's interesting enough. Um, you know, that's like a middle middle grade interest in that. Not crazy about it, but not. Too bad we don't have his counterpart. Yeah. So uh, WandaVision, which is another uh, Disney Plus, which is, you know, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch and The Vision, which who died so i don't know no yeah vision died so we're not gonna get into that um like you said dr strange and the multiverse of madness which is going to be including scarlet witch she's going to be going to be learning her actual scarlet witchness of it all and maybe become overpowered uh so there's that uh loki which is the loki series yeah i saw that it's going to be a series it's going to be taking loki from that time point in endgame where he takes the time stone disappears or the space stone disappears they're going to be going from there I love so, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. If they ever do a Road to El Dorado, like live action, it's got to be Tom Hiddleston and uh, what's his face? Owen, Hemsworth. Owen Wilson. No, not Owen Wilson. Uh, the, <laughs> wow. No, the dude who plays Thor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris yeah. Hemsworth. There's three Hemsworth. I would get him fucked up. Wow. T- tell me they wouldn't make a great Miguel <laughs> no, and Tulio. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. Uh, this next one is actually animated. It's called What If. So I'm thinking it's going to be an episodic thing where they're going to break down the what ifs and yeah, what could have happened. That, that. That's probably my favorite type of filler. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Uh, Hawkeye. Who um, I guess this is going to be emphasizing not so much uh, Jeremy Renner Hawkeye, but his daughter. He's mm-hmm. going to be training her to become Hawkeye. Uh, so there's that. And Thor, Love and Thunder. We talked about that. Love um, that name. It's so good. So you know the premise of this, right? What is the premise of Love and Thunder? Well, Natalie Portman's back. Okay. Okay. And with that comes Lady Thor. That's what the thing is. They literally <laughs> they handled her. They handed her Molnir during the press conference. They actually physically gave her to she nice. Over her head. So Lady Thor is coming, which is awesome, which I don't think we've ever thought we would get there, but we, we have at this point. Uh, and last but not least, the big bombshell that literally everybody lost their fucking mind over Marvel's blade blade is going to be a part of the MCU. Cool. You know, it's funny. I actually started rewatching the blade movies about a week or two ago. Yeah. So I, I love Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan as blade. Let me get it. You know, I he mean, could do it. But he's, he's, re- he's a bit small. Yeah, but no, he's yeah. got the build for yeah, it. But he's already been in the MCU. That's the problem. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. 
Uh, so with that, uh, you know, this is the ones that they announced. And Feige being the troll that he is, he's like, I haven't even got a chance to talk about Black Panther 2. I haven't even got a chance to talk about Captain Marvel 2. I haven't had a chance to talk about Guards in the Galaxy 3. He's like, Fantastic Four. They haven't talked about him yet. He's like, and we haven't even gotten anywhere near the mutants yet. Well, according to James Gunn, they have the mix for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 picked out. Oh, yeah? Yep. And they got all the songs lined up and ready to go. So, Oh, that's important. Um, I, what will this be, the 80s or 90s? Well, if it's the 90s, oh, man. I mean, they, technically, he could grab whatever he wants because he, yeah, came, true. he came to Earth. So they could do kind of whatever they that's want. That's true. But they were doing generational, right? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Give and take. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. We should get some more 90s hits. I think that'll be a good throwback. Yeah. We have um, fucking Nirvana playing and Groot Pete really emotional. Anyway, <laughs> not going to get into that. Um, so, you know, the whole phase is being rolled out. And obviously they haven't talked about the next Avengers because it's coming. Well, they're down. not. Um, well, there's speculation that they're not doing some big, crazy, like endgame style Cro- thing. Crossover event. Yeah. And uh, I- I'm just looking forward to the, them kind of expanding everybody's stories and taking some risks with these movies. Especially Doctor Strange. That's probably the most intriguing to me. And, and you know, you know me. I How many times have I ranted about these cookie cutter Marvel movie formats? Mm-hmm. This Doctor Strange thing has got me by the balls. I'm like super interested. Yeah. And it's got this kind of Lovecraftian feel to it. I love it, man. I, I think if they took more risks like this, like with Thor and, you know, what might be of Doctor Strange, I think I might be drawn back in. Absolutely. Take some creative liberties, man. Yeah. Blade and Blade, that opens the door for all those that, that let me genre. get a let me get a rom com horror with Blade. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. But yeah, with the Blade opens up the doors for all the Marvel horror comics. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Wait, I gotta I gotta think about this timeline. Wesley Snipes was released in twenty fifteen and the the new Blade movie is scheduled for what? 2020 let's just say no probably like 2021 yeah 2021 hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so yeah that's the the big phase the marvel phase and if you want lady thor now is your time folks it's coming down the pipeline soon enough uh comic-con man it's, good it's, copy it's, stcc man it's the place to be yes sir so have you seen the trailer for scary stories to tell in the dark i've seen it in passing i haven't sat down to actually watch the whole thing so do you know the format yeah. Of how they're doing this movie. I'm not. So uh, the original book is just short stories left and right, right? Mm-hmm. So the way this movie is set up is these kids go into this creepy ass house because, of, of course, and they find the book that this old lady left behind. And so as they read it, um, the pages fill in and the names fill in as their names. So what they're reading through these stories that we all know, love, and fear, and then they're like, "Oh well, Jeremy." This is going to happen to Jeremy. You're like, this is going to happen to X, Y, and Z, right? Okay. And so that's the format. The more they read, um, the more these things come true. And so these monsters start chasing our cast and crew, and these events start happening to them, which I think is a super interesting approach to take because uh, it could have very easily been done in the short story format where you got like 15 or 20-minute snippets of this and that. Yeah. I don't think that would have made for a good cohesive movie experience, though. But because we kind of have this main cast and crew intertwining all these segregated stories, I think that'll make for some interesting dynamic. Yeah, but I have uh, one thing. Uh, they probably will address it, so I'm not going to go too crazy about it, but if they want the things to stop happening, then stop reading. Well, once they start, uh, they can't stop. They said in the trailer, once they start reading, even if it's only the first page, there's no stopping it. Okay. Or at least they don't know of a way of stopping it. in seven days. Anyway. Yeah. So, so that's okay. the thing, right? Once they open the book and they start reading, then they're fucked. Well, at least they know what's coming, right? Because they're reading it about themselves, right? Well, um, the trailer framed it in such a manner where 
uh, it didn't happen like immediately. It was like a day or so later where things started getting kind of weird and they're like, what the fuck? Okay. And then one of them puts together, they're like, guys, it's the stories that we read from the book. They're starting to happen. Okay. So that's the way this movie is being set up. Hey, give them credit for thinking that out. That's like, really creative. I like that. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think I would have been upset if they did the 15 minute snippets because I think it allows them to be more true to the original stories. But, um, this is interesting. I give him credit. Okay, I'll say this. And I know it's super early to be talking about a remake, right? If they ever go back and decide to redo this, which I don't know why when you have Guillermo del Toro at the helm of this project, right? If they ever do decide to go back and take this approach, do a miniseries on Netflix. Goosebump style. And have different directors and writers come in and take their own spin on these stories. Yeah. And we talked about this with like the Twilight Zone setup, blah, 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 this and that. Anyway, I just thought that was super interesting. And I thought that that is a fun creative liberty I am willing to welcome into my life. You're down with that one, huh? Yeah, I'm down with that. All right, cool. Moving along. So this is something that I genuinely want your opinion on. So QT's talking about his next, right? Obviously, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming down the pipeline, right? Yeah, I got my tickets for that. Yeah, it's going to be done soon enough. It'll be in, in our hands, so to speak. So speculation about uh qt's next film um he brought this up it's not something that's rumored he brought it up he's talking about potentially huh 10 movies that he's done right his yep his 10th movie he's talking about potentially it being a star trek film a star trek film yes Hmm. i don't know how i feel about that yeah i know i thought it was a little weird because it's not it's not his whoa whoa, hang on whoa 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 hold the fuck up didn't we talk about he might do a space thing we did way like a year or so ago yeah wow we're too good yeah shut it down (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean i I don't i'm not upset about him doing the space thing i just think it's a little weird being not his if it's a star trek thing it's not his yeah tarantino is quite a good writer and his characters and the dialogue is very um purposeful right yeah it just feels to me that um star trek you know, granted, you're probably the bigger trekker here. I am. Um, there's no. Where are you gonna fit all the fucking blood? It's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Here's my thing. I'm. I wouldn't be upset if he did a Star Trek film or five. I don't care. He could do whatever he wants, right? Those are his projects and his endeavors. Absolutely. But to make this his tenth and final, that seems almost like a waste to me. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I just think it's a little strange because, well, like I said, he he brought it up. We predicted, you and I predicted, that he's going to do 10 mainline Quentin Tarantino originals that he writes, directs, shoots, all that good stuff. All, you know, the, the full Tarantino experience. But then he's done shit like From Dust Till Dawn. He's done things like uh, Four Rooms, this and that. And I said, well, there's going to be 10 QT originals. And then he's probably going to do side projects where he helps out here. He acts there. He writes here. Or he does this and that. And he does these kind of like little one-offs, right? Yeah. And so if that's the case and he wants to do a Star Trek film, then make it one of those one-offs. Don't make it the 10th and final QT. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's kind of weird, man. I agree. But he said it. <laughs> it was his thing. I mean, listen, I'm sure if he wants to do it, I'm sure he can blow it out of the park. Absolutely. Absolutely no issues there. But it's a matter of now you kind of got to reboot everything, don't you? Yeah. Because if you're doing a well, Tarantino take, you got to set up the universe. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unless he's going to go off of uh, Abrams, which is doesn't seem like a... That, even, that idea alone is even kind of brain melting <laughs> yeah right because now now i felt kind of dirty after i said yeah, that and i was like little, don't get me wrong Aprons did star trek justice but to put tarantino's touch on it would be it's gonna be a completely different series yeah it'd be it'd be different so if this is what he really wants to do then by all means you know i'm sure we'll support him in the long run but it just seems kind of like um why not make an original property that he's done 
you know, every time before that. Absolutely. So with that, I'm going to tie it into something else that we saw that was announced at Comic-Con, Star Trek Picard. So this is a, essentially a continuation of Jean-Luc Picard's story. And um, they're kind of wrapping it around this particular character that he feels the need to save. And uh, this character seems to be extraordinary in some way. And it ties into some of the Deep Space Nine stuff. So I'm interested. Sign me up. At this point, it looks like Picard's kind of you know long been retired, kind of just sitting in a home on his ranch trying to think of something to do. And this character kind of pulls him back into this world. Uh, this is, looks like it's going to be a CBS, um, you know, a, um, a show. So I'm down because I love Captain Picard. He's my favorite captain in all the Star Trek history. So uh, I just, you know, I don't know if you had an opinion on it, but I love it and I'm looking forward to it. Good copy. Uh, so with things being serialized and being back on the air, uh, HBO is doing a Watchmen series. Yep. So we got a Watchmen movie. Uh, it's about three and a half hours long. It's a pretty good movie. It's yep. not terrible by any means, but I don't think it does the comics quite justice. Okay. Um. How do you feel about this? Have you seen the trailer at all? I have not seen the trailer at all. I have heard a lot about this. Um, I think it would allow them to take the detail that they want and expand on it. Because uh, I did see Watchmen. I don't remember very much of it. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Um, so um, I think it allows them to kind of, like I said. Well, because take- it's been, what, 15 years since the Watchmen movie? Maybe a little less? You were taking more than 10, less than 15? More than 10. Ballpark? More than 10. Because that was like 05-ish, wasn't it? No. No. No? It was like maybe 2008 Damn, if there was only some way we could check. But, um, you know, I think there's been enough time for the Watchmen series to be off the screen for people to kind of show interest in it again. And, you'll, you know, we always mention that um, audience fatigue is a very big thing. And uh, I think with Watchmen, it would have been very easily to take that property and ruin it. You got a date for me? Oh, nine. Oh, nine. Okay, so it's been 10 years. Yeah. And it'll probably be 11 by the time it starts airing, right? Yep. Um, I think it'll do it justice. I think it'll be good. And I think for a series like... Watchmen that has so much detail and uh, delicacy poured into it, um, you kind of need to take the show approach because there's only so much you can cram in a three and a half hour film. Yeah, this is true. Um, there's a, do we know if it's gonna be like how many episodes? We have any? any I have not seen any information on that yet. Okay. Um, I think thirteen or twelve would be a good run for it, though. Yeah, twelve hours of well, Watchmen. Uh, the original run and when publication was twelve issues. So, so there you go. Twelve, twelve episodes. If you, if you could do it in twelve hours, then by all means do it. But yeah. don't force the poop out true especially when you're trying to take a good shit you know yeah you know a good shit comes out naturally absolutely uh, speaking about good shit let's talk about jay and silent bob reboot <laughs> all right so uh jay and silent bob reboot the red band trailer for this dropped and it's absolutely fucking fantastic i'm so ready for this uh this is probably one of my more anticipated uh releases in the next couple months years i guess and i've been looking forward to this quite a bit i love the red band trailer it was absolutely hysterical and i love how the whole thing is parroting Blunt Man and Chronic being rebooted, but essentially this is like a reboot of Jalen Side of the Bob Strikes Back, where they have the same characters, the fucking Affleck's in this fucking thing. I'm excited, and I'm 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 really I'm I'm just jazzed about it. How do you feel about it? Should be fun, man. Um, Kevin Smith is no new name, no amateur in mm-hmm. this thing, and I was telling Maddie that he sold off a good chunk of his comic collection and some of his hockey gear to film Clerks One. And I told her that, that movie was successful because, uh, well, one, it was kind of like this weird indie movie with great fucking humor, right? Yep. But it was successful because he took good care in writing the dialogue and kind of the way the characters interact with each other. It was genuinely funny in an aspect. And I think Kevin Smith has had um, his, his better films and his worst films, um, especially with those weird Mallrat stuff in between and shit like that. But I'm excited to see him back on screen. Um, is he still wearing the same baggy ass coat? Yes, yeah. he is. He probably looks like a broom in a fucking closet. He does, in that thing. Yes, he does. But good for him. 
Um, we'll see, man. Is uh, is Davy Muse or not Davy Muse? What the fuck? Um, what's his name? Jay Jason, Muse. Jason, Jason Muse. Muse is still is he still on drugs? Do we know? Because when no, uh, from last time I heard, he was he's clean. That's the last time. Because on a comic book man, he was kind of in and out. And he was yeah, he was lapsing, and that was 2015 ish, give or take. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited, man. I think they got um. A good pair of brains there. Yeah, and I think if they're both on on the point of their knives, they'll they'll do it well. Absolutely, and um, I just love the fact that he has Kevin Smith has his own daughter in the film, but it's not playing Silent Bob's daughter; it's playing Jay's daughter. So it's just <laughs> like they're like, "Well, you, you can't go on this adventure with us because it's going to be too dangerous." And then they pull out switchblades. They're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, "Okay, I guess you're coming along." Uh, and it looks like we see some characters from some of the other. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob adventures of the previous, like some characters from Dogma. It looks like we saw in the in the transference of the sauce. Good so, shit. Yeah. Was, uh, as long as we get to see the walrus from Tusk, that thing is <laughs> fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is true. But um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think Good stuff. Be. Let's talk Halloween. All right. So it was 40 minutes. It wasn't too bad, actually. No. All right. So we have dates. It has been announced that, you know, Halloween and it's going to get his sequels. 1031 2020. Yep. Uh, it's going to get his sequels 2020, 2020 and 2021. Back to back features, huh? Yep. Uh the first one's going to be or the second one, I guess, is going to be called Halloween Kills, which I think is a like a pretty metal Nice and simple. Yeah, metal uh Halloween Resurrection. This yeah, it's better than fucking around with numbers and getting everybody else even more confused. Might as well go with it, right? And the last but not least one is going to be coming out in 21. It's going to be called Halloween Ends, which also is a metal ass name. Um, so I guess so. We're getting a, a trifecta of this wave of Danny McBride Halloween films. Yeah. So apparently, like they said, they they wrote it up a treatment. I know originally when they wrote up the the first one, the first one, oh, the the 2018 yeah reboot whatever, whatever with McBride and the new crew. Yeah. Um. They there was rumors that they wrote it as a two parter. Yeah. Um. And we were kind of like, well, we don't know yet. Let's see it. And you know, we both have our reservations about whether we we want another sequel or not. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, I guess we'll see the execution on kills and then, uh, I'm sure we'll like it enough to want to I'm see just curious him. what they're going to do. Um, do you think they're going to include Lori? Yeah. She's in it. Yeah. They already confirmed that she's there. She's in it. Yeah. She's in it. She's also, uh, executive producing it. So cool. So Jamie Lee Curtis got her, her grubby paws all over it, which is fantastic. I think it's the way it's supposed to Um, be. I mean, she's been in probably more of them than aside from Mr. Castle. Well, Frank Castle was only in two. Oh. He was only in the first oh, one and the, and the new one. So she's been in... She was in one, two, Cameo in four, uh, H2O, 2018. Resurrection, 2018. So she's been in six. six. So about half of them. Yeah. So she's been probably there more than any of the other guys have been there. Directors, uh, writers. Well, the only one that, that was nature. close, would have been close, is Donald Pleasance, but... He's dead, so he can't get any more. Obviously, still though, man. I mean, who who better to hand those reins over to? Honestly, oh yeah, obviously. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. They had like a um, you saw what happened last time. Uh, the whole guy, whole guy doing his own his whole spiel. Uh, obviously, no footage yet because uh, I don't think it's, maybe it just started filming. If anything, so um, no footage yet. But there was a lot of the you know, yeah, B roll from the previous film. So. We'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Can we get a blooper reel for these Halloween movies when you buy it on Blu-ray? Well, if you there was bloopers for the Rob Zombie one, but the whole thing was a fucking joke. Yeah, so, there you, you yeah. fucking beat me too. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing was a fucking joke. So uh, you know, there's that. But um, oh my god, I was gonna say something, but it totally fucking just slipped my mind. Think, motherfucker. Fuck. Now I forgot. It's gone. Thunder in the background. Yeah. 
it's gone. Anyway, so looking forward to this. Um, it's actually oh there that's what I was gonna bring it up. It's actually coming out in October, which is fucking dope. We we talked about that a couple a couple episodes ago. How we're like, well, we want these horror movies to come out in uh, October. In October. Speaking of horror movies, this is not in the agenda. I got I got one too. So okay. you go first. No, you go first. All right. So me and Manny watched Hereditary last night. Okay. Uh, this is a you, you've probably heard about it. People are ranting and raving about this film. This is a horror thriller, psychological horror, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And we sat down, watched it last night, and let me tell you this: this is the first original horror movie property that had me terrified, like petrified, really. Really. And this is the first time I was like, dude, I. Uh, let me explain the setup of this film. There is absolutely no jump scares. Not not one of them. One of them's close. It's not quite a jump scare because the, the woman sees uh, a ghost of her grandma, of her mother, I'm sorry, of the grandma when she passes away. But it's not anything like, Bleh. you know, she's just a, a, like an image of her in the corner. Um, there are no jump scares in this movie. That being said, this movie is interesting to the point where you want to keep your eyes on the screen. But the way these shots are framed makes the house look like a fucking dollhouse. And you'll see that illusion as to why later if you actually get around to it. Okay. Um, and just the fucking petrifying amounts of shit that goes on on screen. You want to look away so bad, but it's so interesting that you don't. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like there's a scene. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a scene where somebody's um, talking on screen and they're kind of going through what's happening. And then you see somebody else in the background and you just get the chills and you're like, oh, Fuck, man. It's not good, Shaggy. It's not fucking good, Shaggy. Okay, okay. Yeah, sit down and watch that because, um, fuck, dude, it was, it was really proper. Like I said, there's nothing like, there's no cheap scares. There's okay. no, like, bullshit. It's, you watch and it just, like, avalanches in your fucking gut that fear because you're like, oh, my God, something's like about to fucking go down. I may have to check this out. It's, it's like a no bullshit, legit horror movie. And it has a very interesting premise, and it wraps up the story in an interesting way. And there's a there's a decent amount of um, I wouldn't call it gore, but it's kind of like disgusting effects and things of that nature. Okay, cool. Because like you know, like there's another only one other movie I can think about that's like an original IP that where like kind of explaining what you said, where you're like, well, you, you want to look away because you're terrified, but you just can't, you can't stop it. That was like uh, Sinister, those like yeah. tapes where you're like, this is fucking horrible, but you have to watch every second of it. Well, the thing with Sinister is that some of them did have jump scares, like the Red Demon yeah. behind the, that was a terrifying fucking jump scare. Yeah. But like I said, this doesn't even resort to that. It doesn't even need it. Interesting. And Interesting. that like, that was, that that's a welcoming jump scare in Sinister. Yeah. Because it's so obviously placed and it's not like, a, you know, jump in front of the screen and yeah. crank up that volume knob to 11. It, yeah, it, yeah. But this is like one of those where you're like, holy shit. You know, like you feel it building up in your gut. Fair enough. Okay. So check what out Hereditary. Hereditary? Yeah. I'm going to check that out. And, and then keep that title in your mind because there's some, uh, it's an important thing. Okay. A theme in the movie. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, second, another trailer came out for it. it, it, it oh, yeah. It, it I totally forgot to mention that. What did you think? I thought yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I saw it. It's fucking awesome. Here's my thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Bill Skarsgård is fucking phenomenal. The yeah. entire Skarsgård family is beautiful and talented, okay? There's just no way around that. Um, he'd make a phenomenal joker. I want to throw that out there. The trailer um, is really good because we saw the transition from them, from kids to adults in the 27 years that passed. And one of them stayed behind. The uh, black kid stayed behind. And, you know, it's faithful to the original warrior. I stayed here. I need to find out what's fucking going on with this clown, with the spirit, blah, blah, blah. 
what do you think of this trailer? Because I'm I'm sold, man. I've been excited for this movie it's since the first fucking, trailer. It's really good. I like when they go into the funhouse and there's just fucking clowns. and the mirrors. Well, at that and there's just fucking clowns everywhere, like swinging back and forth. And you're like, one of these motherfuckers is gonna be him. I know it. And yeah, the mirrors where he's trying to prevent the kid from getting fucking swallowed up, and that whole thing with the whole tongue is just fucking disturbing, terrifying. <laughs> um, I think. Because there's some, you know, there's some things Tim Curry did right, but there's a lot of things that Bill Skarsgård did right. I think the facial expressions that he makes for this clown are fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. And he really uses that facial animation, especially in these trailers. I was like, wow, he is going like balls to the wall with like the eyebrows, the tongue, the teeth, uh, like the droopiness of the eyes and just the way everything's positioned. He's doing a really phenomenal job with that. Indeed. And um, did you know that Bill Skarsgård, um, after the first It movie screened, he said that he had to like detox his system because like the clown would come back around every once in a while. Did you did you read that article? No. He was so into like method acting, uh, Pennywise the clown, that he thought of it as like a disease. He's like, yeah, I couldn't shake it for a while after the movie, so he had to like detox his body of, of all that. Like, did he like find himself like making faces and shit? Is that what? Is that yeah. Oh, because he has that like that he does that thousand yard stare really well. And he said he like caught himself doing that shit a couple times. Like around people, and just then like, he would do like the like the clown the hoo hoo. And and he's like, yeah, I had to get away from that for a little bit. And I was like, that's fucking terrifying. That's pretty metal. I'm yeah, right? Lie. So Bill Skarsgård dedicated, man. I'm excited for this. Okay. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. Sign me up. I'm on board too, Gabe. Have you seen the first one? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it. And Watch all the it. bits and pieces that I saw, I really enjoyed. Yeah. But the wife is afraid of clowns. Oh. And I'm not sitting in the room by myself watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had, uh, for the first time in fucking years, I had a nightmare after that movie. Oh, yeah? I was like like sleep paralysis type of shit. I couldn't move, but I was like awake. Oh, got yeah. you. Huh? So it, it's not, um, I wouldn't say the movie is petrifying or scary, but it's simply the fact that the more you believe in him, the more power he has. Like he infiltrates you personally. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like the whole Freddy setup, but I think the clown, adding the clown on top of that Freddy basis is terrifying. Pretty good. So yeah, man, check that out. I'm super excited for yeah. this. It comes out like a week before my birthday, so yeah. I'm going to fucking go. September is going to be a real thing, man. I'm excited. Good stuff. Let's talk some gaming. Before we get into Luigi's Mansion, I want to say that they're coming out with a new version of the Switch, so for all those people considering it, uh, wait a little bit. This new version, uh, the only difference is that, and we're not talking about the Switch Lite, there's a new version of the base Switch. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm like, uh, we better about battery life. So oh, it takes okay. it from, I think, I believe the OG had an estimate from two and a half to seven hours. Depending on what game you're playing, you know, so like Breath of the Wild is going to take you down to two and a half. Um, this new version of the Switch, uh, the baseline is three and a half to nine hours. So that's, okay. you get a whole hour jump. That's a big difference there. Okay, cool. Uh, so for all you people considering it, wait a couple months and it's an XKA skew, I believe, that they start with. The serial okay. numbers. Very cool. Um, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be fun. What do you think about the Switch so far? Uh, I think it's cool. Um, I love that you love it. I, I got to tell you, man, uh, can I talk some Breath of the Wild with you real quick? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned this week I was so fucking This is frustrated. week two of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Go ahead. man. This is my deep dive. This is like worse than heroin for me because I find myself that this is the only game I want to play at the moment. And I think, you, you know, when you pick up a game, you're like, yeah, I want to play it because, you know, I just bought it. I want to justify the money I spent, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting. It's new. But I don't think I've ever had a game reel me in this hard before, or at least not recently anytime, because... When I'm like, when I say I want to play the game, Maddie thinks I want to go on and play Siege or Call of Duty or something. Like, no, I want to play fucking Breath of the Wild, because this game has me by the by the fucking balls, bro. Um, I mentioned to you that I was uh, going through some swamplands and whatever, right? And I had full metal plate armor on, and I had like a metal broadsword equipped, and fucking lightning struck me, and I died on the spot. <laughs> I was so fucking upset because it's, that shit conducts electricity. It's so beautifully random. You're just like it's it's so grotesquely random. Yeah. It's almost so hilarious. So you're just like, 
I didn't know what happened at first. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it happened again, and I was like, motherfucker. You know what that reminds me of? And this is totally unrelated. I don't mean to de- 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 derail your train of thought. Go ahead. But do you remember from Final Fantasy X? I already know where you're going. Where you had to dodge lightning like 150 times or something like that. Yep. And you had to time it like perfectly to get, I forgot, maybe like a magical item or something like that. I think it was a spell. Yeah, something that was like really overpowered to help you get through like the next boss. Either you're going to fucking sweat for hours while you're trying to fight or you're going to have the spell to make the whole thing a whole lot easier. And you had to wait for lightning to strike like 150 times. I think they said like three in-game hours or something like that where you had to fucking just time this flash so you could fucking dodge it. And that just reminded me of, I'm sorry. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other really cool, small, nitpicky, detailed things. Um, you have a like a heat gauge or internal temperature gauge. So when Link gets cold, he starts... <laughs> and you lose health, yeah. right? And same thing when he gets overly hot. You start losing <laughs> hydration and you start losing hearts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have proper armor or food or potions, things of that nature, um, you're going to go down quick. There's just no way around it, right? So what I found was that if you equip... I have like an ice sword. So when I'm in the desert and I have the ice sword equips, it cools down my internal body temperature. How fucking cool is that? That's very, very That's, clever. And it also works the other way around. So if you're on top of like a, a mountain peak and you equip a fire sword, it'll warm you up. That's fucking stupid detail that That's, doesn't need that, to be there that I love. That's clever. That being said, I cleared one of the four major bosses, the four divine beasts, because you got to free him to stop Ganon. Um, and this one was kind of like this elephant setup. So the first stage of the boss battle consisted of you riding this fish dude, and he like trails you around in the ocean, running around this giant mechanical elephant, right? Because that's one of the divine beasts. Yeah. And so you gotta shoot up one of the waterfalls he's projecting, and you gotta shoot these like orbs with your arrows, right? But the whole time he's shooting like ice cubes at you, and he's shooting like like these ice projectiles. You gotta knock him out of the way. So that was phenomenal. And once you get those orbs hit, you go inside the elephant, and it's a giant fucking puzzle room. Like a five-stage puzzle you got to figure out to reactivate him and make him good again. And I spent, I don't know, like three hours on it. I was like, holy shit. So, what? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to include Dark Souls because I think Dark Souls would probably be on your list. What is the most difficult boss fight you remember having in gaming? In gaming? Yeah. Oh, man. I got to think about that. Dark Souls Dark Souls would probably be my first jump, but um, hmm, that's a good question. I'd probably have to go through my catalog and kind of peer around. Uh, there's a couple of the Devil May Cry bosses that I remember... Uh, the uh, see, cause, cause the issue here is that a lot of these games like resident evil has a tough, uh, tyrant boss fight at the end of Leon's story. The issue is what difficulty you play it on. Cause if you play it on max difficulty, of course it's going to be stupid hard. Yeah. But like a game like dark souls or breath of the wild, it doesn't have a difficulty. So it's hard by nature. Yeah. You got to learn to overcome that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, I kind of have to th- think about that a little bit. I'd say the, the final fight from the first Knights of the Little Republic is pretty difficult if you weren't prepared for it. Because the, the fucking baddie is just OP. And, you know, if you don't skill your character properly or if you don't spend enough time kind of thinking about it, he's going to he's gonna whomp you real good. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I got to think about that. Because I'd say Breath of the Wild and Dark Souls are kind of in the same vein here where there's no difficulty. There's no, like, bullet sponginess. It's like you know it or you don't. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. Got to know the dance, huh? You got to know the dance. It's precisely. Okay. But, yeah, dude, Breath of the Wild, man. I'll bring it over one day and you can just watch me fucking play because this thing's tantalizing. You've been saying that, but you just keep not bringing it over. I got you. I got you next week. Keep breaking my heart. But, um, yeah, dude, I'm going to give the podcast an update when I finish it up because this thing is gearing up to be, like, top three for me, honestly. This thing is... Okay. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to go home and play some Breath of the Wild. What, what, um, 
what other Zelda have you played prior to this? Have you played all of them? I've played Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess. I haven't done as deep of a dive as I have on this one, though. Okay. Because it's always like, I didn't own a GameCube, uh, you know? So it was always kind of like, oh, let's play some Zelda and this and that. And it always kind of piqued my interest. But this is the first time that I own a mainline Zelda game. Yeah, okay. no, that's a true statement. Cool. All right, excellent. All right. So, yeah, dude, so grossly tantalizing. Talk to me about Luigi's Mansion. I forgot why I put it on here. I'm not uh, you put it on here because you want to get it. I do want to get it. Um, so we've talked about this in the past. Luigi Mansion, I think, is going to be the game that finally puts me over the top. That's what I think they announced the date for it. Let me pull up the, pull up the, the date. It's the October, release. right? Yeah, in October at some point, which, again, spooky, spooky, spooky. Damn them. Um so yeah, the Luigi's really, Mansion Three is going to be more terrifying than some of the horror movies coming out this year. I probably, I'm probably going to jump a handful wow. of times. Yeah, and it's not, it's not going to be because the 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 image itself is scary. I think just they're going to do a really good job of building tension because that's what Luigi Mansion does. It's done that historically, and it's going to do it again. Yeah, man, we got some good stuff coming out. Why, for this why doesn't Luigi have his own like? I mean, obviously this is his thing, right? This is Luigi's thing, but. I like Luigi. Why? How come we can't give him more love in the Mario franchise? Because he's always kind of second fiddle. I don't like that. I don't know, man. Don't look at me. Um, I remember in Yoshi's Island 2 that I still have my original Game Boy copy of. Okay. Um, he jumps higher. Yeah? Yeah. I thought it was a cool little tidbit. Huh. But he jumps much higher than Mario does in that game. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I always enjoyed Luigi. I always played as Luigi, probably because he jumps higher. But uh, All these characters wrapped up in the Mario lore outside of Mario, because Mario's pretty one-dimensional let's let's be real mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of characters that are involved that are like really interesting i, I particularly like shy guy and dry bones I yeah think those guys are interesting yeah uh rosalina was really cool uh there's actually fuck there's a character that everybody no the the, the theory is that rosalina is actually mario's and peach's kid from a different like timeline time yeah timeline or whatever but there's actually a a um a video on the internet that is breaking down that and it's actually Luigi's and Peach's kid because of like eye color or something like that. Like they break it down like that. Listen, man, I found a video online that links the OG Willy Wonka film and how Snowpiercer is a sequel to that film. So if you can find your stuff <laughs> and I can find my stuff, that means you can find anything out there. All right. It's actually a really well done video. I'm sure it is. Um, no, no, it's like scarily well done. And it explains everything. Every fucking loose end is tied up in that video. It's ridiculous. Have you seen... I'm sure you've seen the original Willy Wonka. Yeah, it's one of Have you seen Snowpiercer? No. No? Okay. Well, you got to watch Snowpiercer, and then we can get into that debate. <laughs> uh, that being said, Luigi's Mansion coming out in October should be fun. Um, you getting it? Well, Yes, you are. Yes, you y- are. Yes, <laughs> maybe not immediately, because okay. we got uh, kind of a hefty September-October there. We got a lot of shit coming out, and that includes the Ooh. Zelda game, that includes Borderlands, that includes a lot of titles... So I might have to pick and choose. Yeah, and that's just games. Let's talk about like the movies and stuff. We just kind of went through a whole bunch of them that are just like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we should do an episode um, dedicated to what's coming out in September and we could have Earth, Wind and Fire playing in the background. You know, a buddy of mine sent me, um, he sent me an Earth, Wind Fire song. He's like, hey, man, this shit smacks. And I was like, you know, this is like one of my favorite bands, right? <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're bringing back podcast games this week, and I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, so this one's called uh, You Know Your Old When, and so it's pretty much what it sounds like. And the thing that brought this up for me was uh, I was thinking to myself, because I was looking at my 401k, I was like, you know you're old when you see your 401k go and you're super excited about it. Like, you see its growth. Yeah. Uh, you got any off the top of your head? Uh, you know you're old when you sit down and you make grunting noises or stand up and make grunting yeah, well, noises. Yeah, I've been doing that since I was 16, so I can't really talk about that uh you know when you're old when that little girl from that movie suddenly makes you pop a boner 
Whoa. <laughs> not, not like, like what she's Whoa. like now, like currently. Yeah. FBI, this comment right here. <laughs> um, you know you're old when you look up the age of Ryan Key and he's 39 years old. Shut the fuck up. Nope, no, he's, he's 39 years old. 19, 1979. You're I didn't believe it. Boy, you a liar. No, I'm being dead fucking serious. He's 39 years old. He will be 40 in December. December 17th. Look it up, bro. He's Jake's about to have a fucking midlife crisis right here. Ryan Key from Yellow Card was born December 17th, 1979. Shut the fuck up. No, he he's currently not. 39 years Shut of age. Shut up. That's, Look you, it up. You changed this. Who edited this? Look it up. I just did. And what does it say? Read it out loud. December 17th, 1979. Yeah, so shut, he's 39 shut, years shut old. Shut the fuck up. That's not yeah, That's real. weird. Um, I mean, this is not old, but you know how fast time is going by because it's been two years since Chester Pennington passed away. Oof, yes. that's rough, man. That was yesterday. Two years. Oh, I can't believe it. Ooh, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, think about that. Holy shit. Uh, so that's, that's... You know you're old when you're, some of your favorite albums start turning 10. Yeah, I've seen some of those those countdowns. Yeah, hang on, I got to go. And you know you're old when you remember when Mike had that tooth missing from the Doors process. <laughs> Shit, you remember your old Mike used to have short hair. Yeah. Well, short. he cut his hair recently. Did he, he donated it? Yeah. It's, uh, it's still not like what, you know, he had when the Zombies EP uh, came out when he was probably at his cleanest. But uh, yeah, it's a bit shorter now. Cleanest, he said. I mean, have you seen him? You know, you're old when you remember when Sean from Vanna sold his mustache. Mm. He sold it. He put it in a fucking block. And yeah, you told me about this, actually. I wanted um, it. I wanted it. Shit, dude. In a couple years, uh, the thing will be you'll, you'll know you're old when. Uh, Davey, when you remember Davy Muse from Trove originally being in Vanna. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I got to get into that. But hey, You uh, know, you're old when Vanna's been gone for two years. Oh. In August, right? Probably. Yeah, in August. That show was two years ago, August. Holy shit. Yeah, man. Time's going by way Ooh. too fast. <laughs> I don't like it. You know, you're old when you're approaching 30. <laughs> you know, you're old when you remember when Bring Me the Horizon was a metalcore band. We're going to get well, into that. Deathcore band. Deathcore band. Deathcore. So, uh, speaking of which, because... Oh, hang on, hang on. But before we dive into that, um, I, could you imagine, um, like, a girl walking around in, like, a Bring Me the Horizon, like, hoodie, and, like, you know, like, she knows, like, Amo and a little bit off of uh, That's the Spirit, and then you start playing, like, you tell Slater pray not to wash plagues. his dick yeah. or pray for plagues, and she's like, what the fuck is this? Could you yeah. imagine that? Yeah. It's like, this is the same fucking band. Yeah, you fucking moron. So, go ahead. Bring up what you were going to bring up. Well, this is going to move us into... Um, into music. Dude. Music news and reviews. Yeah, that's what he was. So for. earlier this week, fucking Gabe was like, yeah. "Man, he still has it. He still got it, man." I'm like, "Still has what? Tattoos? Because that's the only thing he still has." Well, he doesn't even have those. He got one of his arms covered up in all black. Did he get a tattoo on his face? Is that a real thing? He's had a tattoo on his face that's for a while. Stupid. I think he's added to it, but he's definitely had them before. It's fucking dumb. Anyway, um, he's like, he still got the vocals. I'm like, no, he don't. He put in Gabe sent it. He th- he insists that I am butthurt, but. He's not. He was never ever a really good live vocalist. Like well, never. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Here we go. He was. You're right. He's not a crazy phenomenal vocalist. That being said, he did have like two or three throat surgeries in between uh, that sempaternal and that's the spirit era, right? Yeah. So we assume that he moved into that's the spirit style because he couldn't scream anymore. Which is ironic because it's not like he went like crazy crazy hard on. Right, but I mean, at that point, they've been doing this for, what, 12, 13 years? Yeah, so I'm right. sure you have a slip up here and there, you know, that shit's not going to go easy, especially if you're doing an hour-long set or, you know, them, they do like two-hour-long sets pretty often, right? Yeah. And so my thing was, he could still do the deathcore screams, and we haven't seen that done for a while now. Which, by the way, he can't. It sounds bad. I could get into that, though. <laughs> Regardless, I'm saying that he's still physically able is the thing I'm getting at, because... 
that was our whole thing. Well, he can't scream anymore, and that's why he did. You know, that's the spirit and all that good stuff. Oh, I actually forgot to mention this last yeah. week. In kind of the same vein, because we talked about the U's and how we saw them. This dude has breast spray in between every single, like, chorus. Bert, Bert oh has God. the pep, has pepper I was going to say pepper spray. He has vocal spray in his hand the whole entire set. Hmm. And anytime there's, a, like, a break, straight down his throat. Because he, sure it's not that CBD spray? No, it's because he can't scream. He doesn't scream anymore. He stopped screaming, like, five, ten years ago at this point because he can't do it. His voice is fucked, and like now, like you could tell, you could see his singing voice is fucking, fucking starting to struggle a little bit. He yeah, sounded man. good, but like you could tell that he was like every take care of chords, kids. Take yeah. care of your chords. This That's kind of, well, at least he made the most out of it with that like insane cackle of his. This is true. Uh, he had a long, nice long run with it, but fuck. all right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Northlane because you've been digging this. Yeah. So have you listened to this at all? No, not yet. So, uh, so this is actually, I think, the first time we've ever mentioned Northlane on this podcast, which is kind of a shame. We've mentioned them in passing, but never like a, we've never done like a review or anything like okay, that. So Jacob's finally on the boat. I I am boarding the boat. Well, I've liked Northlane for a long time, but I just never, like I said, it's never something that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked their first album with their original vocalist and everything. That's been good, but nothing crazy over the top. They've kind of hit that uh, that ce- their ceiling. I thought, you know, they're not going to get any better than this, but they're okay. They're good. They're a good band. With that being said, uh, they have a new album called out. It's called Alien, which is metal. I love that. Um, and they released three singles so far. Uh, one they released last year was called Vultures, which I enjoyed. I think I might have yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, you definitely mentioned Vultures. I've de- I think I've mentioned it on the pod. It's, it was a good song. But they have subsequently released two songs after that, one called Bloodlines, the other one called Talking Heads. And I mentioned this to Gabe earlier in the week. I think my ears, up. my ears are starting to turn around a little bit because there's some other bands that I got on this agenda here. Then I'm just like, hmm. I literally just was talking shit about you how. Know, I just saw that you put this album on here that I did a review of two months ago when did, it came out. Did you really? Yeah. The, was it Dealer? Yeah. Oh, I guess you did a review on that. <laughs> All right. I'll actually, I have my notes saved so we can compare it with those. But um, Northlane, man, um, you know, I know the internet loves Northlane and by yeah. all means you should. Yeah. Right. They're good. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of a shame that we're kind of late to the party a little bit, you know, as far as bringing it up. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. we've been, we've been kind of, I don't want to say closed off in our own circle, but we've been kind of dealing with a lot of the bands we're already familiar with. Yeah. So, uh, this is, like I said, just based off the singles that we've gotten so far, this is something that's incredibly interesting to me. Now, Gabe's going to listen to some of these songs. He's going to be like, man, you give motionless and white shit for trying this, but this band, uh, this band is different in, the, in some regards because of um, they, maybe because they lack the gimmick. <laughs> sure, you know they're not the, gimmicks are important. Yeah, they lack the gimmick that uh, Motionless and White has. Also, if you take this, I, this is the way I, des- I would describe it to you, Gabe. This is like taking some of um, what's it called? Architects. Mm-hmm. You mix it with a little bit of Strangers Only, My Ticket Home, and you get this. Little cool. bit, little bit of you know some of the industrial little stuff. bit of math grind, little bit of insanity. Yeah. So it with some tasty riffs. So um, this is something that's going to be very, very good. I'm going to keep my eye on it because, like I said, the first three songs I've really enjoyed. I think it's coming out in August or late, early September or something like that. So I'm looking forward to it. And um, good stuff. Yeah, they're going to be really, really good. Quick little note: Knocked Loose. I mentioned it to you earlier. You did. Uh, they're coming out with their album soon. We're gearing up towards that. They're doing a little mini tour of very small venues in celebration of the album release. Are they coming here? Uh, they're coming to Moline, Illinois. It's about a two two hour drive. Uh, Where are they playing? What's up? Where are they playing in Moline? The Blackhawks room? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's <laughs> going to be nice and dirty. And I told you that, you know, Knocked Loose can easily do shows. They can easily sell at the bottom lounge. They've played, they're playing the House of Blues later mm-hmm. in the year, right? Yeah. And I think that's nothing but love 
back to the hardcore scene by them doing a slew of these small venues and hats off to them man. Yeah. hats off to brian hats off to isaac and all those guys because i'm sure those things aren't rev are, aren't generating the same amount of revenue as something like the house of blues or whatever mm -hmm. it's simply because they love the art yeah and that's respectable for sure for sure so that's good stuff and uh yeah glad that they're doing so i got an album review um this album didn't drop this week. I think it dropped like a couple weeks ago. And I just realized that this name is a play on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so it's Callus Dowboys is the name of the band, right? And so this is one of those. Uh, I didn't take notes on this because I think that'd be super counterintuitive. What are you staring at? Can you, can you go again with the name? Callus Dowboys. All right, that guys. That was the Sucker City Kids podcast. I'll see you guys next week. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I just realized that it never clicked. Uh, until I said it out loud. <laughs> it's goofy, ain't it? Um, okay, let me describe you the kind of music they make. They make if the Dillinger Escape Plan and Every Time I Die had a kid and that kid just did rails of coke all night long. <laughs> this is full frontal aggression at its aggression. Full frontal aggression at Are its purest <laughs> form. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I like their style, man. I like this sort of uh, chaotic nature to it. It's, it's in... It's in the vein of that East Coast sound, though. Vein. So if you like that, yeah, that's I'm going to see those guys at Reggie's, too. Um, that's going to be grimy. I've played Reggie's. What's up? I've played Reggie's. Awesome. You and, like, everybody else in Chicago. This is true. Um, Have you? No, not yet. Then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> uh, yeah, they have this kind of violent swing to them, and it's very attractive in its nature, if that makes sense. It's kind of... Uh, I should have wrote notes. I just realized I should have fucking taken notes. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to do notes. but then he's No, like, but it's you. like you put this shit on when you want to kick down drywall. And I, I appreciate it. I don't know if it's up your vein because you like your kind of planned out stuff. But this shit seems like they went into the studio and they said, yeah, let's go. The whole album right fucking now. Let's go right now. He said planned out. Well, I'm just saying some of us like the traditional style. Other, others just go into the studio and say, fuck it. Play record. We're doing the whole album right now. All right. We're on enough. four hours of sleep. Let's go. Fair enough. Um. I'd say check it out, even if you don't like it. I think it's um, <laughs> it's so it's so funny, isn't it? Oh my god! Uh, check it out, even if you like it in passing. I think you'll you'll pick up a couple of interesting things that they're doing. They have a violinist, which is pretty fucking rad for essentially a mathcore band. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, like I said, if you like Dillinger, if you like Every Time I Die, check this band out. They're in the same uh, vein, not the same vein as Vein, the same vein as Dillinger and Every Time I Die. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, that was kind of my uh, my quick little review on that. Now, I'm going to give them credit because they have built-in merchandise. Like, they, all they got to do is parody. They have a line in one of their songs where they, like, slow it down, and they're like, yeah, we're probably going to call it quits by uh, 2028 and, you know, buy our merch so we can eat. And I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, this so is you finally good. got around to listening to some new fucking music. Yeah. So, dealer, slow burn. Listen to it. Well, what would you think first well, and foremost? I, well, I I, I don't rem didn't remember you actually bringing it up, but I, it struck me that you might have when you mentioned it yesterday because I had a conversation how I'm converting some of my friends into deathcore, and we didn't talk about how we shouldn't change people. I gave this album an eight. You gave it an eight, and I believe I don't have the full review on here because I don't believe I saved the full reviews. I saved the uh, the ratings. The ratings. I think it was something along the lines of these guys are masters of where to put a breakdown at because it's not your traditional setup it's like that low high mix up in mk where you think they're gonna go one way but they take you a completely different way and you miss that block and you're in the breakdown well to be fair um like i said now that you mentioned that i do recall you bringing this band up but what helped me kind of discover them was jared dines did a video of sickest breakdowns and they were on it and which I'm like, song 
uh, Crooked. Nice. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I looked them up, and there was actually another band that I brought up, which is just unnecessarily heavy, which I'll show you in a minute. Um, so I give this a look, and I like it. It's good stuff. It's intense. It'll get you pumped. It'll get you ready to go. Um, now, it's maybe not the most uh, poetic of bands, but... You don't need to be poetic in the metal scene always. This is true, and it's definitely violent, and if you're into some violent, heavy shit, I think this is a band to look forward to. Um, they're young, from what I, I can understand. I know they're part of the Stay Sick family, which makes me kind of throw up a little bit. But uh, that, that label's grown, man. Say what you want about Attila, but that label's treating its <laughs> bands right. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to them. Because uh, this, is, this is an EP, so it doesn't really qualify as album. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, we've had some debate about that, about the, you know, uh, what, what was it? The Our rankings of the year? Yeah. Um, that being said, these guys really kind of break the framework of how you should frame or pose a song. And they just take it and throw it out the window. They said, we're doing this our fucking way. And if that in itself is not poetic, just the way they write their shit and yeah. the way they play it, I don't know what is. Okay. So, yeah, I enjoy it. It was good stuff. And if you like, if you like kind of, kind of that faster, violent music, um, this, is, this is for you. So, uh, before we do the retro review, we're going to get around to that at the end. Uh, fit for an autopsy. Make America hate again. Are you talking about that? That is Thy Art is Murder. How dare oh, you? whoopsie. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. All right. New new co-host next week. Yeah. Uh, Fit for an Autopsy released a new song. Uh, I think it was yesterday or today, like relatively recently. It's called Mirrors and the new album, which I didn't know even though they were working on one. I, I thought sh- they were done. No, 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 no. They're definitely. No. They'll be sticking around for a little bit. Um, the new album's called The Sea of the Tragic Beast, which is a fucking metal, metal ass name. Probably the most metal name of all time. Like I said, the new song's called Mirrors. It is fucking dope. But the thing I wanted to bring up to you the most is this artwork. And I'm going to show it to you real quick because it's fucking sick. And I think you'd like it quite a bit. Uh, just to kind Love of me some good album artwork. Let me see if I can find it for you. Where'd it go? I might get some of this merch too because it's pretty good looking. There uh, we go. What are we looking at? Yeah, it's pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. So the new artwork is pretty sick. Um, they Looks like they got some tour dates announced, too. They're coming to the Cobra Lounge in nice. November, November 21. We got uh, Bury Your Dead with Upon a Burning Body and Great American Ghost coming around to the Cobra Lounge. Yeah, man. I noticed that, too. Um, I'm going to go for Great American Ghost Yeah, because I've been meaning to catch them for a while. Yep. And they got some good looking vinyls. Let me show you this real quick. Nice. Yeah, oh, those are really good looking. Yeah, actually. there's a blue splattered. I like that quite a bit. Some of these bands take that and blow it way out of proportion. Like the Architects have like twelve variants per album. It's ridiculous. Yeah, those are nice and simple. I like those. Yeah. So, um, what did you think of the single first and foremost? It was fucking awesome, dude. Shit. I mean, we know Fit for an Autopsy is gonna be dope just because you know we're putting we're not gonna get into that. But um, you know, it's, it's good stuff and it's really heavy, really brutal. Um, this is I think. Slowly, like I said, I was just talking shit about this year, how it needs to step up its game. Uh, this might be the year of deathcore for me because we got Dyer's Murder coming out with their new shit. Fit for an autopsy. Just listen to that that new thing. Um, North Lanes is kind of in the sort of eh, more metal. Yeah, more metal than anything else, but as the elements, it's going to be a good year. I think it's starting to turn around for me, so I'm yeah, excited. And we got uh, we got a couple more things to look forward to. Um, you want to talk about this Devil Wears Prada album? Because I mentioned it briefly. We haven't heard a goddamn thing out of them. Radio silence. Radio silence. And I don't think they're breaking up. They're just two no. balls deep into this whole setup to break up now. Yeah, um, Yeah, they're not going anywhere. So so my original prediction was that both Every Time I Die and the Devil Wears Prada are going to drop albums this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Every Time I Die because they could sure as shit drop an album next week and people are going to love it, right? Because they're just balls, you know, they're they're crazy like that this is true um well what do you think about this whole devil wears product setup man because not a single uh radio silence from mike radio silence from the band pages and stuff well they've been pretty they do that 
they get pretty quiet before they start releasing stuff. I mean, I know they're not super like into the whole social media yeah. thing, which I totally understand. But um, like not even not even a word, not even like hey in the studio. Do you, know like, what's, do you know what's funny about that though? How they're not like the internet. I want to say internet savvy because that's definitely not the word. But they're how they're not like the biggest presence, like you may have said. Mm-hmm. They had songs like called like HTML rules, dude, and shit like that, where they're like making fun of like that type of stuff. But like meanwhile, they're not really like. Yeah, you know what I mean. So uh, you know, I was predicting um, like a late fall release. I was thinking like November ish because that just seems like an ideal time for a Devil Wears Prada yeah. fucking thing, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know because you said th- what you told me was they don't need that much hype because mm-hmm. they have a very strong following, which is true. Um, but they still need to sell, mm-hmm. which is important. I think they signed with a new label too recently, right? Or am I thinking of a different? Band? I think they went back with Rise. I thought because mm-hmm. they were off Rise, they were with Roadrunner for a little bit, and then I think they got back with Rise. That's what I thought. I yeah, I, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I just kind of think it's funny because every time I die, you know, at least they're like, hey, we're fucking touring. We can't be in the studio. Yeah, sure enough. Um, well, it hasn't stopped Keith before with the damn things. But yeah. that being said, um, you think we're going to go in this year? Um, Do you think we're going to start hearing stuff around August? Maybe a single. Maybe a single. Maybe a single. Um, I mean, the last album was all right. Trans Blues was okay. It was uh, a good album. Yeah. I think I'd put that. I'd definitely put that above 818. And I definitely put that above uh, Discord. Okay. That's acceptable. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a very mature album. It's not, you know, it's not fucking Sassafras or Plagues or anything like that. But that being said, it was a very well-written album. The production was beautiful. They do a great fucking job at that every single album, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't fuck around with their production. And it was, um, in every essence of the word, you took a metalcore band from the early 2000s. And you have them go through life, and this is what you get. And I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe not every single song off there is a banger, but Detroit Tapes is wonderful. Um, Key of Evergreen is a fucking phenomenal, like, experience. Worldwide. World, yeah, I mean, worldwide is a banger. That's yeah. just... Daughter. Daughter's a banger, too. I'm going to fuck with anybody. So no, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. as an album, it was a good experience. I don't yeah. think it was a bad album by any means. Yeah. So... I don't know. Like I said, they always get pretty quiet before these things. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, look at her. Here's here's all our merch. Here's 85 shirts. Pre-order. Yeah. We yeah. brought back the Reptar shirt. Oh, man. You know how fast they fucking buy that thing? Yeah. <laughs> so don't make fun of it. Don't knock it until you no, try No, I'm not it. knocking it. I'm just saying I'd <laughs> fucking buy that if they ever brought it back. True enough. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Maybe like a, I'm thinking maybe single in October, release in like February. I think that's a fair setup. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know they've been selling off their stuff, like some of their backdrops. and Yeah. That that's what that's what when you brought that up that's what kind of started to scare me a little bit is when they started to sell off merchandise or like stuff that they use that's that stuff scares me. I, I mean I understand the guitar stuff and the instrumentals because uh, August Burns Red sold off a couple of other guitars and stuff like that. I mean I'm sure if you're touring for 15 years you accumulate just shit that this you don't true. use anymore and you know. Yep. Speaking of which, uh, I mean I know we got the thing, but I know Silverstein came out with the thing. With the thing, it came out with a single, which means new Super Scene's coming out soon. Cool. So that should be a kind of a uh, mid-level, good album. Oh my god, I thought you were about to say midlife crisis. <laughs> for us, for them, yeah. yes. Why not both? I mean, it could be. Yeah. All right. We don't know when we're dying. Good stuff. Uh, Silverstein's fun. Yep, absolutely. So let's get into it. So, so yeah, Gabe's Gabe's. This is Gabe's thing. So all right. So we're doing retro reviews for albums, and we've done this for what three months now, give or take. Yeah, just about a couple of episodes, yeah. a couple dozen episodes, sure. maybe a dozen episodes. Um, so I said let's do something a little bit different. We're still doing a retro review, but I told you let's do a retro review on the album that got us into the scene. And I told you to narrow it down to one, and I got my one. And I don't know if you know what it is, but you can go first. I want you to talk about it. Did you first and foremost, what is the album, and did you re-listen to it, dude? Because so when Gabe brought this up. 
I'm like, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, absolutely. It's really hard. But to there's got to be something that stood out to you that you're like, this is probably one of the first pieces I've heard, or this is the first metal-ish album that I've been invested into. Uh, I mean, I don't know because it's so young. So uh, you, so you have nothing. Well, I, I thought of a few. Okay. All right. Uh, I I didn't get a chance to full blown listen to these things, but a few of them came to mind. Um, and I think maybe I'll give you more of a list and less more less of more less of a review, more of a list, more right? of no review. Sure. Yeah. yeah go for of it. kind of the albums that really kind of got me excited into this genre of music. Um, so the curse, betray you. That's nice. a big one, right? Um, you know, it's what big, was it that was attractive about that album? I just you? love the guitar work. Those guys are so slick on their guitars. Both of them, like people look at Dan Jacobs and like, oh, he's awesome because he has the blood splatter guitar. You know, he's like an icon with that. But people forget how good Charles Miguel is as a guitar player. He's very, very good as well. So that was up there for me. Uh, I thought um, Fairways of Vanity and Wax by Elisana. Yep. Like that early screamo stuff that, you know, all of us really got that into. Mullcore shit that yeah. was actually really good. Yeah, that yeah, that everybody was like kind of made fun of it, but secretly everybody liked it. Yeah. So, not everybody's naming their daughters Elisana. Not everybody. Not everybody. Excuse you, sir. Um, so that's something that came up for me. Um I thought about plagues from the Dev Wars Prado just because it's so slimy and grimy, and that's kind of. Did you like that slimy and grimy at the time? Yeah, I mean, I still don't get me wrong. I still enjoy it, but I think there's definitely something about looking back on those type of th- those days, and you're like, eh, maybe it could have been a little bit it's, more. It's fun, yeah, but uh, it's not refined by any means. Def- so, definitely not. Question for you um, about the slimy and grimy. Was that kind of your introduction? Were you attracted to the slimy and grimy, or were you kind of uh, like a slow introduction to the to the scene? Well. Uh, because I had a relatively kind of gradual introduction. Well, it, it was strange because I it's because people, I think you and a lot of people view me as just kind of like a straightforward hardcore kid, you know, at the surface. But like hardcore is something that came like maybe like my the 80s, man. Well, it's been around for a while. No, but I'm saying into my life, maybe like my late teens, like 18, 19. By the time that I really started to get into the hardcore style genre, I was already in doing this for you you're already doing metal, right? Yeah. Seven, eight years at that point. And, um, you know, um, I think when I think of backup albums, like when I was a teenager, I think of, um, this war is ours by escape the fate. I think of Good album. anything under oath related. Really. I think I have a hard copy of that CD. Do you in my car? Really? Yeah, this war is ours. And it has the guillotine remix, the clown remix. Oh on there God, stuff. that thing was horrible too. <laughs> I mean, it was all the way at the end, you know, Yeah, no, it no, wasn't like yeah. in the album. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a good album. Yeah. Uh, I think of, and this is going to make you laugh. Uh, again, it's not really an introduction, but stuff from high school is like Hollywood Undead's first album. I, th- I really liked a lot. The Swan Songs was a great album. Yeah, it was a good album. Um, Say what you want about the band, but that everybody was on the Hollywood Undead boat at one point or another. Absolutely. Um, what else do I think of? Uh, some a lot of Silverstein stuff because I like, always like Silverstein, but they're, they're something that's gotten like really popular in my head recently. Um, what else? That's like really well, like uh, a New Hope, Vanna. Like these are things that it's hard to pinpoint one. That's what I'm saying. Like when you brought it up, I'm like, dude, I don't even know where to begin. Like start. I'm like, do I do fucking like look? God, do I go back and do I do fucking Slipknot self-titled because like that's like the emergence? Or do I do fucking do Hybrid Theory by Lincoln Park? We just did a Lincoln Park album. Do I want to do another one? But like. An album like 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 Hybrid Theory by Lincoln Park, I could do it like the back of my hand. I don't have to listen to it over again. I know every song, sure. like left and right. So it's kind of hard to pick one because there's various phases of my life where I've gone through different things. And what's the earliest one you can remember? Like earliest al- metal? Er, earliest album that you like loved that was metal. Metal. Uh shit. Not necessarily earliest album, but earliest in your life. Earliest album in my life. 
that made me decide that this was my life. Um, shit, dude. You don't know. <laughs> it's so you hard. Okay, I, 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 I can't you. look back at one and just say this was it because it's just there was amalgamation of things that all kind of came together, blended together at one time. Because hybrid theory was like it. Hybrid theory was it. But like at the same time, like two months later, Slipknot was around in my head and I was like really into yeah, it. Sure, absolutely. And then there's Metallica and shit like that. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to pinpoint. Sure. I actually, me on the other hand, I could pinpoint it exactly for okay. you. I was, uh, I used to have this like clock radio by my bed and uh, when everybody would go to sleep, I just put the thing on like really low and just kind of like, you know, listen to music and they had the, do you remember the, the Dr. Love show late at night? Where people would call in for like sex advice and he, oh, that's uh, Loveline. Loveline, yeah, you remember that? Yes, yeah, that I, was my I shit. listened to that. But um, I would stay up to like three in the morning listening to that. It night. was really entertaining, honestly. Yeah. Um, but there was this one night where that same radio station, I want to say it was Q101. Yep. Played uh, Wait and Bleed, but I slipped on. I was like, damn, what the fuck is this? And I was like, this is really good actually. And so you know, I told my buddy the next day, I was like, hey man, you know a band called Slipknot? He's like, fuck yeah, I know Slipknot, blah blah. So he made me a copy of 9.0 Live because yeah. that was like right around the time it came out. And so I took that thing home with me and I listened to it and I had Wait and Bleed on repeat. That was the only song I'd listened to for like a week or two, right? And I was like, fuck, I love this shit so much. And then I got around to listening to the rest of it. And um, if you know Slipknot, they've been around for a while, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing, what I'm going to say about 9.0 Live. There's certain bands that do live albums as a means of acquiring currency. Then there's other live albums that are there for the fans, whatever it may be. 9.0 Live is in no means super tight. Is it in no means the best Slipknot album ever. No. But you know what it was? It was that weird period in the band where everybody kind of disliked each other. When there was a lot of beef, Corey had his drinking problem and it showed on some of his songs where, you know, Mick Thompson, he's a phenomenal guitarist, him and James Root both, but they were kind of all over the place. And there's something beautiful about the sloppiness and the discord that goes around into it. Around that time, Mick was literally telling people, he's like, I hate every single person in this band right now. Like that's why he had hate on his guitar because he couldn't take he couldn't deal with he's like once the show was over we'd all go in our opposite directions like because I couldn't deal with Corey or jo uh, Joey or none of that they would just stay away from each other which is so strange to me that they're still together because of all that but. yeah and you know some of these songs translate poorly piss yeah. poorly live yeah um but some of them translate really well some of them that come to mind wait and bleed I think the vocal performance is fucking phenomenal um another one and this is the, probably the biggest one that stood out to me was um. End of everything or it ends. I can't remember what it's mm -hmm. off. It's, End of everything. It's, it's off Iowa. Yeah, it's Iowa. Yeah. But here's the thing. So I heard the live version first before I ever heard the album version. And when I heard the album version, I was like, wow, this is it. This is kind of uh, underwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, damn, the live version of this song is so much grossly better than the album version. Just because there's all of this heat and aggression underneath it. Yeah. Cooked in, you know. And uh, I don't know, man. And that, you know, how that goes. You like an album by a band and you're like, oh, I wonder what else they've done. And you start exploring and loving and learning. And around the same time, the Resident Evil movies were coming out and they had my plague on there. It's like, hey, this is Slipknot too. Yeah. And so that was kind of my introduction to the scene. And that was the earliest album that I can remember that I was like really like balls deep into. My buddy was like, yeah, dude, this one's called Disaster Piece, blah, 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 you know. And then he would pause the song and he would pick up, he had a, he had a BC Rich Warwick, the same, uh, same one that Mick used, except his was white. And he would just go, and I'm like, dude, that's so fucking gnarly. So we would just listen to Slipknot, and we would just fucking do dumb shit, and then just go, you know, back to his place and just shred, man. So that was kind of my introduction. You know, I'm sure a lot of kids have that Slipknot intro to them as well because they were very accessible and kind of controversial when they were coming out. But that was the appeal, right? Well, I don't know, like one of the earliest like Slipknot memories I've had, and this is like going way deep. 
Uh, I think I could probably still find this video if I really wanted to. Uh, maybe it was like which was, interview, the Limp Biscuit one, or no, the... no, no. It was a video. This is a video that somebody made. It was a wrestling compilation with <laughs> with like from like the independent scenes of like them people doing fucked up shit to each other. And like maybe two, this had to be like the very early dawning days of like YouTube, YouTube, like 2005 it had to be. Um, and I remember them having wait and bleed to one of the songs. Um, I like, I liked them previously, but then I'm like, wow, this song really fucking kicks ass. It and works. It was even like horribly edited to like loop back around because the song's only like two and a half minutes long, but the video was like three hours, like three hours, three, three hours, three minutes and like some change, 15 seconds or something like that. So somebody like re-edited it in horribly like this last chorus. So it ran through again. Again. Yeah. Those are like the fucking wild west days of fucking YouTube. But, um, that's like one of the early memories, but man, like I said, it's so for me, cause how old I am, I mean, I'm a little older than you are, but and how long I've been doing it, it's kind of hard to fucking keep track. Like I think of like St. Anger or Metallica that like, comes to mind. Yeah. And even though like I look back, I'm like, wow, this album fucking sucks outside of like three songs. Um, but yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'm sure all of our dads have played Enter Sandman before and shit like that, you yeah. know, but there's a difference between appreciating the greats like Metallica and enjoying a single here and there. But then there's something completely different about discovering a band you've never heard of before that's yeah. kind of up and coming and going, wow, this album fucking shreds. Do you know who also was like that for me? Um, 30 Seconds to Mars. When A Beautiful Light came out, I'm like, holy shit, what is this? This is music on a different level. I need level. more of this in my life. Yeah, there's music on a different level. But again, it's so like, but people think, you know, because you hear me on the podcast talk about hardcore and how like heavy stuff, it's kind of, I guess, the inception of me in the scene that wasn't even in the, that ballpark kind of funny i guess you know it's funny i um he's one of the uh musical producers for like that uh like emo rap that's going around now he's a really cool guy but they have fantasy camp he's balls deep into hardcore he grew up on that stuff but i think it's kind of interesting that he went on to do uh rap and electro style beats so yeah. you know hardcore has its reaches and it kind of shows sometimes because he has that like dirty uh what, what am i thinking here that drum beat that the the blast beat sometimes he, he throws like some like very very faint blast beats in there and you already know what he's going for <laughs> yeah man i mean um i don't know this whole emo rep thing i mean like i said i, I mean that, that's a thing of its own right yeah but i'm saying hardcore is deeply rooted in more people than you'd think and metal even greater reach there was that song that halsey came out with that um oh great just, just recently sorry mm, um, halsey huh yeah halsey mm. uh she came into that um sounds like the song from tattoo remember the song remember the band tattoo Maybe it had that one music video where there was like lesbian, lesbian love in like a church and they're like Russian as fuck or whatever. Uh, that it sounds it's exactly your first day of school, Thurman. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do you remember that video? You're stupid. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. What we'll tattoo? Uh, so like the intro of the, her noose, that one song that she came out, Nightmare has like basically the same thing. I don't know how many people I've told this to, but Halsey had a hundredth quote for you, a senior yeah, photo. Yeah, you mentioned this a time or two. So yeah, that's uh again. I, I mean, I wish I had more for you guys, but it's hard to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes it is just a bunch of shit that comes together at the right time. Yep. Perfect storm. And it is what it is. All right. So I think we're going to give Retro Review a break for a week. Uh, maybe we'll think of another game. We'll, we'll come back something with some uh, podcast games. I actually got one of Bruin in my mind. Oh, yeah? We're going to go over it after the episode ends because I don't want to give anything away. So um, I was actually looking at an older episode or listening to an older episode a couple of weeks ago or like last week. And uh, I remember we had to meme or not to meme. I might have to bring that one back. Remember to me to me. I, I misagree or disagree. Yeah, that was going to. All right, so yeah, <laughs> a gyro is is a Greek burrito. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. So other than that, I think that's the episode, Gabe. Yeah. I mean, what what do we have on that? An hour and a half. That's not too bad. No, I thought that was gonna be way longer. Especially well, we spent like fifty minutes on 
fucking movies and TV, which I figured, you know, that was going to be the big, the big deal. But other than that, that was the Second City Kids podcast, episode 125. We will see you back next week for 126. And until next week, from Jacob and Ghibli, goodbye. Oh, deuces. I'm getting it. I, I did it again. You're fucking up. Deuces. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.